Amen. So, we're talking about fears and how to deal with fears, fears that overcome us. We can all be overcome with fear pretty easy. Uh, there's all kinds of fears. We talked last week kind of generally about overcoming fear. And today I want to talk about overcoming the fear of the unknown. Uh, the fear of the unknown. There's, we we kind of live with a delusion that we know what's going to happen. I mean, we, we kind of have this sense of, you know, pretty good sense of, well, we've kind of got our lives kind of planned out and what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. That not, hardly ever happens that way, but yet we, we live with this delusion. James says in James chapter 4, verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and spend time there, spend a year there, and engage in business and make a profit, yet you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor. Now, that's an encouragement, isn't it? Your life is just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. All of our lives, no matter how long your life is, it's in comparison to eternity, it's just a, it's just a breath on a mirror. It's just, a, it's just a morning fog that the, the heat of the sun burns off. Uh, so instead, what you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. He's saying, you know, to, to, to presume uh, what you're, what's going to happen in the future is to presume upon believing that you know what's going to happen, and you don't know. You just don't know. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen the next moment. We're, we're really clueless. So how do, we, how do we deal with that? So, but life is, uh, life is unknown. I mean, life is, is, the, is the, it's the adventure. The venturing every day is like then moving into the unknown. And so it can be fearful. You know, there's so many different avenues of doorways of life that we, through faith, go through. I mean, you know, because we don't really know how it's going to work out. We, we, you know, it takes a lot of courage, apparently, right, for a, a man to say to a woman, will you marry me? Or for a woman to say to a man, what are you waiting for, uh, uh, you know, and I always, I, always, if, if, I always tell what women, they need to understand this about men. Men are so fearful of rejection. It's just because of the way we're made up. Our egos are made up. That he has to know the answer to that question before he will ask it. So if you're a single woman and you want to get married, you have to tell, you have to give that man clues. Because as we all know, most of us are clueless. So you have to say things like, hey, you want to go look at wedding rings? <laughs> right? You don't believe that? Yeah, you can be more subtle than that. Like, like hey, uh, my dad's going to be in town this weekend. You want to talk to him? Uh, you know, I don't know if they even do that anymore. You know, that's all, you know, misogynist and old-fashioned, so I don't know. So how do we deal with our fear of the unknown? So fear, you know, so, you know, stepping through the threshold into marriage and what we think life is going to be like when we get married. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, marriage is a challenge. You take two very different people because one's a man, one's a woman. You take very different people and they come from very different family backgrounds and you 
try to, try to blend them together to become one flesh. That's a great challenge. And then, and then, out of your love and out of your desire, you say, hey, let's have some kids. That'll be fun. <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and so, but it's unknown. You, I mean, and, and every time you have a child, it's totally stepping into the known, unknown because every child is, you, every child is totally different. Their personalities, their, you know, you know, it's just, it's so different. So how do we deal with that? So, and, you know, embarking on a job, career, all kinds of things. It's stepping through a door into the unknown. How do we do it? How do we do it? So to overcome your fear of the unknown, you have to focus on what you know because there's so much you don't know. Like we don't know what's going to happen today, but what do we know? We have to focus on something that is known that is greater than the unknown. And for us as believers, that which is known to us is the faithfulness of God. What, what do we know? We know that God has helped us. We know that God has been with us. We can look back at crisis, tragedies, failures, shortcomings, difficulties, mistakes. We can look back at things that we did and things that happened to us that other people did, and we can see through that the faithfulness of God. So how do we, how do we deal with the unknown? We deal with the unknown with the known, and what we know is that God is faithful. Now, the children, children of Israel uh, are at the edge of the promised land. Uh, this is the first batch, <laughs> the parents. Uh, that have come out of Egypt, and they're at the edge of the promised land, and, they're, and they've sent spies into the land, and the spies have come back, and 10 of the spies said, oh, it's a land that devours its people. Uh, yeah, it's a good land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but we can't go up because there's giants in the land. And so they're afraid then to step into this unknown. And so I think we see how God responds to this, gives us an idea about some of this stuff. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Now think of the logic of that statement right there. They were slaves in Egypt. So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. So th this is their, 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 they're at the edge of the promised land, and they're not willing to go in. So their response to the unknown is, nope. Not going to happen. Not doing it. I'm not going in. Even though this is the, you know, we call it the promised land for a reason. It's the land that God's promised them. It's the land of the promise that's given to Abraham. It's the land of the promise that's given to Jacob and Israel. It's the land of the promise that's given to Joseph. So it's the land of the promise when they left Egypt. They, were, they weren't heading for the wilderness they had a goal in mind. It was the promised land. Here, now they're there and not willing to go in. 
So the Lord said in Numbers chapter 14, verse 20, I've pardoned them according to your word. So God was just going to wipe them all out, which I can understand that. But indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore their fathers, nor shall any of them who spurned me see it. So God says, they've just continually complained. So he's, and, he, and he names ten times. Now, this may not be the ten times that God's thinking about, but here's ten times. Before they crossed the Red Sea, and the Red Sea opened. What did they say? Oh, you brought us out here to kill us. God brought us out here to kill us. So what God said, well, no, I've actually got a plan here. And he opened up the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. So then as their journey, on their journey, they got to Marah, Marah and the water was bitter. And so they complained at the, because of the taste of the water. And so God showed Moses a tree to throw in the water. The water became sweet. The Lord sweetened the water. They complained there. In the desert of sin, they complained because they didn't have any food to eat. So God began to give them manna. So every morning they could go and collect the food for the day. Manna showed up every morning. But then they, they, they got in trouble because they were collecting more manna than they were supposed to. And then it would rot. So they're complaining about this. So God gave us this manna, and yet they're not doing what God told them to do. Uh, then they attempted to collect manna on the Sabbath. They weren't supposed to collect manna on the Sabbath. They were supposed to collect two days portion because it wouldn't, it wouldn't keep over a day. But on, before the Sabbath, they could collect two days worth. But they, they didn't follow that. So at Rephidium, again, they complained uh, because they didn't have enough water. And the Lord gave them water from a rock. Then we know that Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, while Moses goes up on the mountain and receives the law from God, that they begin to complain. Said, so, you know, about this man Moses, we don't know where he's gone. So let's build a God and go back to Egypt. I mean, they kept wanting to go back to Egypt. This is like their, this is like their fallback plan. Let's go back to Egypt. And so they, they build the golden calf, and they're going to go back to Egypt. They're complaining about God. Uh, at, 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 at Tabra, uh, when you read about the incident at Tabra, they're just complaining. There's not really anything particular to complain about. It's just a habit to have. <laughs> I mean, they've just gotten into this groove of complaining. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. You know that? They're complaining about the lack of food, lack of manna. So God gives them quail to eat. Then they're not happy with that. And then they, now, number 10, they get to the edge of the promised land, and they're not willing to go into the promised land. They're complaining about God's faithfulness to them. And God said, look, I've delivered you, I've delivered you, I've delivered you, I've delivered you. I've provided for you, I've taken care of you, I've given you manna, I've given you provision, I've given you water. I'm taking care of you, I'm bringing you to this, this promised land, come on. 
And they get to the edge of the promised land, and they're not willing, even though God has delivered them every single time. One of the ways you deal with the unknown is that you remember God's faithfulness to you in the past to help you overcome your fears in the future. Because you don't know the future, but guess who does? We do know one who knows the future. And so we can put our trust in him. Psalm 92.1, sorry. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. It's just one of the things that, that just gets me all the time is the amazing faithfulness of God because he is faithful even when we're not. Are you glad? Anybody glad for that? Amen. Okay, second thing is this. If you're going to overcome fear of the unknown, you have to overcome the fear of the unknown by declaring God's promises instead of grumbling and complaining and declaring your fears. So what did they say? Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. People wept that night, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or that we'd have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us in this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. So, so you need to be careful what you ask for. Because you might get it. Now, it says here in Numbers 14, so the Lord says to them. Now, they're not willing to go in the promised land. And then they, then they tried to, after God says, no, no, it's not going to happen. Then they tried to go in anyway. You know, it's like, okay, God told us not to, but now, now, now we're going in. Buddy, we're going in now. Then they got defeated and destroyed. But, you know, they, you know, it's like they were just at the wrong time, willing at the wrong time. So God says to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. So you need to, you know, be careful about your complaints. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come to the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, your children, however, whom you said would become prey. I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness." That's, that's not a good outcome. So because they were unwilling, they shrunk back. They were unwilling to step into the unknown. See, the unknown's scary. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's unknown. What makes the unknown difficult? It's unknown. But they had a known. They had an anchor. They had something stable in their life. You get, if you've got an anchor in your life, when you go into the unknown, when the storm comes to knock your house around, then it's anchored. Jesus said, if you, if you anchor your life on my word, it's like a man who builds his house on a rock. And so that's so important for us. So, so there were 10 spies that were afraid and two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they said, let's do it. We can do it. God's going to give it to us. God's been faithful to us. 
If, if God's with us, we can do this thing. Joshua, Numbers chapter 14, verse 6. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord's pleased with us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from him, and the Lord is with us. Not, do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. That's not a very good response uh, you know, to the sermon. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to the sons of Israel. Now, they saw the same thing that the other ten saw, right? They walked in the same land that the other, the other ten walked in. They saw the same giants that the other ten saw. So what, what was different? What, what will make us different? Yeah, so how do we, how do we express that? So this is interesting to me. So now all that generation's died in the wilderness. They get to the edge of the promised land. They go in and conquer the promised land. Pretty much. <laughs> and after that period of time, it's time for Caleb to take the land that has been promised him that God's promised him. So in Joshua chapter 14, verse 7, he says this, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land which your foot has trodden will be your inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I'm still as strong today as I was in that day Moses sent me as was my, my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now, now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord has spoken of on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim giants were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, with me and will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him. And gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now, there's a little hint there in those verses. What is it? What did they do different? What did Caleb do differently? He followed the Lord, his God, fully. In other words, he was all in. It made a difference. When, when he got to the promised land, he believed God, he trusted God, he put his faith in God. Let's go do it. 45 years later, now he's 85. 
I mean, you know, 85 is 85. Yeah, yeah, maybe he was going, he's going to live to 120, okay? But he's not 40 anymore. He's 85. And, you know, a lot of times, I don't know, you get 85, you start thinking about, hey, this is the time for pulling back. <laughs> right? You get 65. You get 55. You start thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't know about adventure. You know, uh, I, was, I went to my cardiologist this last year, and I, you know, and I turned 65, you know, and so I said something about old, and I appreciated this about my cardiologist. He said, you're not old. I said, thank you. Thank you. He said, you're not old. He said, you know, when I first started, and he's, he's the reason he said that, because he's about my age, so, you know, old is, old is, you know, when I was 20, 30 was old. Then you get 30 and you think, oh, those people that are 40, they are ancient. Then you get 40 and you think, we're young, we're young, we're viral, we're, we got it. Uh, not viral, that's the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> we're vital, have something, I don't know. Uh, viral, not viral, viral. Man, yeah. I, we just hear viral so much all the time I couldn't pull the right word out. So, so he said, you know, he said, when I first went into practice, he said, I maybe had five or six of my cardiac patients that were over 80. He said, I've got hundreds of cardiac patients that are over 80. He said, I've got, I've got more over 100 than I had over 80 back when I was started practice. He said, and, and he said, I've got, I've got patients that are in their 80s and their 90s that are starting businesses And, and we're amazed at that. Why are we amazed at that? Because we think, well, it's about time to start shutting everything down here. So Caleb is still living in the faith that brought him through. He was following the Lord his God fully. I think there's something powerful about that. There's powerful about, about being all in, about giving our whole heart, about giving everything, about trusting the Lord completely, living by faith. In God's ability, His faithfulness. It's easy to live by faith because I've seen God's faithfulness. Just like Israel, I could say, not, not these ten times, but these hundreds of times, hundreds upon hundreds of times in my life where God has come through over and over and over again. Did it mean that I didn't have troubles, that I didn't have difficulties, that I wasn't broke sometimes, and I didn't know what I was going to do? But no, I've seen over and over again the faithfulness of God to bring us through, to bring me through. Hebrews 10.38 says this, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God wants you to be all in. Third thing is this, you overcome the fear of the unknown with action. Sometimes you have to take the first step, even when you don't see any other step. You know, I don't know how you're made, but I'm kind of made, Lord, show me all the steps. And he very seldom does that. When, he, when God called Abraham, he said, go to the land that I'll show you. He didn't give him a map. He said, it's like, okay, you're here. He's like, I don't know where here is, but okay. And you can see this over and over again when God will call people into something. He doesn't give them all the details. God calls David. Samuel comes into Saul's, 
Samuel's, uh, into Jesse's house and looks at all of David's brothers and says, you know, he's sent there by, by God to anoint the next king of Israel. And they said, you know, so he looks at all of the sons of Jesse and God says, it's not any of these. And he says, have you got another son? They said, oh yeah, we always forget about that one. He's out, you know, tending the sheep. Bring the, bring the kid in. So they go get David and the Lord says, this is the one. And so he anoints him. He pours a flask of oil over his head and anoints him as king. He has no idea how much trouble that's going to get him into. He doesn't, he doesn't know that virtually being chosen by God means he's going to spend the next 15 years on the run for his life. He doesn't know that. And God doesn't give him the details. God just says, okay, tag, you're it. And I don't know about you, but I want more details than that. But he often doesn't give us the details. I mean, look, he calls Saul on the road to Damascus, knocks him down. He has a vision. And, and he says, I've appointed you as, uh, to go to the Gentiles. And Saul's like, okay. And so when Ananias prays for him, he says, you know, I, I have to show him how much he's going to suffer for my name. And yet, I don't think he had a clue. I don't think he knew that, you know, a couple of years, one of, those, one of those seizures was going to chop his head off. So a lot of times, God doesn't give us every step. He just gives us a step. The steps of a righteous man or of the Lord. You'd, you know, how do you walk? How do you, how do you walk? You don't walk 10 steps at a time. That's hopping. You have to walk a step at a time. And a lot of times we struggle with that because we're like, God, tell me how this is going to work out and I'll take the first step. And God says, take the first step and I'll work it out. We're like, oh, but wait a minute. I want to know. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. The children of Israel Again, children of Israel, they're, they're, they've come out of Egypt. They're, they've been trapped against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies are behind. The Red Sea's in front of them. God led them here. You've got to understand this. They followed God's, the cloud by night, the pillar of fire by day. They followed that to a trap. Thank you, Jesus right? So as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. Makes sense. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better <laughs> for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, don't fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you'll never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Which is, I think, an interesting little aside that Moses throws in, would you stop your complaining while you keep silent? 
Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. That's, isn't that incredible? You know, he said, what are you waiting here for? You've got a promised land to get to. Tell, the, tell them to go forward. And as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry ground. So God says to them, it's not going to happen until you move forward. They had to step into the water. They had to take the ark of God and step into the water. Moses had to lift his staff and say, okay, water's going to part here. <laughs> Never seen that before. He didn't know, you know, he's, he's just stepping back out on the faithfulness of God where God has told him what to do and he's done it and God's come through every time and he, you know, and he sees that. So God won't give you 10 steps, he'll give you one. So you have to have the courage to take the one. And in that, God will help you. You will take little bites into the fear of the unknown and overcome it. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you. Okay, you maybe you're facing something today. Maybe a decision about your business or your life. A lot of things to fear right now. A lot of fear-mongering going on. A lot, man, it's... I don't, I don't often watch the news anymore. But every now and then, you know, at 6 o'clock or whatever time it comes on, I'll watch the, you know, ABC or CBS or NBC, their nightly news show. And it's purposefully fear, 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 fear. This is bad happening, this is bad happening, this is bad happening, and this is bad happening. Are you afraid? You ought to be. I mean, that's like their headline. You know, and we can't even have weather anymore. It's like Stormageddon is coming. It's the worst storm. And then when we do have bad storms, they totally don't see them coming. So, so fear is being sold to us on a daily basis. And so we have to determine... Are we going to live by the fear of the age, the fear of the moment, the fear all around us? I'm not saying don't be reasonable, don't take caution, but I'm saying, are we going to live by the fear of the age, or are we going to live by the faithfulness of God? What has God done in your life? Just ask yourself, has God been faithful? He will continue to be so. He will continue to be faithful. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We often don't know the next 10 steps, but we often know the next steps. Lord, help us. You said the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Lord, order our steps in your will, in your plan, in your direction. Help us to see and discern and know what, what is your will and your purpose. And Lord, help us have the faith and the courage to overcome the fears that lie within us, the fears that are around us, and to follow you fully. In Jesus' name, amen.